Hi folks, Ken Weinstein here. With less than three weeks until the election, there is a heightened security threat at polling locations across the country, and the government continues to issue warnings about foreign disinformation campaigns. Meanwhile, President Trump's bout with the coronavirus has raised a host of national security concerns, including questions surrounding the line of succession beyond the executive branch. And last week, DOJ charged two notorious ISIS militants for kidnapping and murdering American hostages. I talk about all this and more with Lisa Monaco on the newest episode of the United Security Podcast. Today, we are sharing a clip with listeners of Stay Tuned with Preet. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. College students with a valid.edu email qualify for a discount at cafe.com slash student. That's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. All right, let's turn to more recent news. Um, Just recently, we got big news out of the Justice Department that they had charged two notorious ISIS terrorists with uh, a variety of charges, including hostage taking of Americans and killing or murder of Americans. And this relates to the two ISIS terrorists who had been held in custody over in Syria for the last couple of years. And they were charged and then brought to the United States to face charges here in the Eastern District of Virginia for having held a number of Western prisoners, including four Americans, Um, psychologically and physically and sexually abusing them, uh, torturing them, and then ultimately killing them. A number of them were killed by decapitation that they then showed by video uh, over the internet. And these are two of four British citizens who went over to fight for ISIS in Syria who were styled the Beatles because of their British accents. I think actually the hostages started calling them the Beatles. Third member of this hostage-taking cell is in custody over in Turkey, and a fourth, um, who was known as Jihadi John, uh, who was the ringleader, was killed in a U.S. airstrike several years ago. Yeah. So, Ken, you know this this announcement from the Justice Department last week was, I think, really well summed up by our friend and former colleague John Demers, the Assistant Attorney General for the National Security Division. Today is a good day but it is also a solemn one. Today, we remember the four innocent Americans whose lives were taken by ISIS. And I think he summed it up exactly right. You know, this has personal resonance for me as somebody who worked in the White House and worked on hostage policy issues. I had uh, a lot of contact with the families of the murdered Americans, brave journalists and tremendously brave aid workers and humanitarians, the the victims of these uh, terrorists who are now going to face justice in American, in an American courtroom. So I think it was it was a good day, uh, but a solemn one uh, to to see the wheels of justice slowly but relentlessly turning to try and achieve some measure of justice and hopefully, in my view, some measure of comfort for their families. Because, you know, six years ago, we all witnessed the horrific, horrific scenes coming out of Iraq and Syria, the brutality 
of ISIS and these horrible beheading videos of these terrorists killing these brave Americans. And, you know, it's a testament to the work of professional uh, folks in the counterterrorism community, the intelligence community and prosecutors to just keep their uh, nose to the grindstone and just relentlessly try and seek justice here. But this was a long time coming and for a bunch of reasons that that we should get into. They were captured in, I think, 2018 by Syrian Democratic forces while they were trying to flee. And uh, they've been held for two years. A number of reasons for the delay in bringing them here to face justice. But a couple of them were some um, questions about sort of how that justice was to be meted out. And there were a couple issues. Um, one was apparently the British. And of course, these two men were involved in killing British citizens as well. The British authorities had some evidence that was going to be critical to our ability to make a case against these, these two men. And the British, like a number of our Western European partners, have concerns about Americans sending people who are captured overseas down to Guantanamo to face justice in the military commissions. And the British have said that they're not going to cooperate either by turning over defendants, suspects themselves, or turning over evidence that would help you know, in a prosecution of suspects if they think that that evidence is going to be used in the military commissions. And there was some talk about whether these men should go to the military commissions and Attorney General Sessions was on record saying that they should. And there were a number of legal questions about whether ISIS fighters could be subject to the authorization for the use of military force that was passed in the aftermath of 9-11 attacks that were, of course, perpetrated by al-Qaeda, such that the U.S. military could exercise its detention authority against ISIS fighters. And so there is a legal question out there, but really very much a practical question of whether the um, prosecution could do without any evidence from the British authorities if they were to send these men to the military commissions. So the decision was made, obviously, to send them to Article Three courts here in the Eastern District of Virginia. The second question that had to be uh, addressed before we ended up bringing these guys here to face charges was the death penalty issue. These are obviously death penalty eligible offenses. And given the brutality of what these men allegedly did, the death penalty is you know, clearly a strong likelihood uh, that it would end up being, they would end up getting the death penalty if they were to be convicted of these charges. And the British oppose prosecution that leads to the death penalty. They don't have the death penalty and they take the position that they're not going to cooperate with U.S. authorities in a case that might result in the death penalty. In addition, the families here came out fairly soon after the uh, capture of the two men saying that they did not want the death penalty to be on the table. So that was a very live issue. And then just recently, I believe in August, Attorney General Barr uh, agreed publicly that they would not seek the death penalty. That's That then opened the doors to cooperation with the British and resulted in these men being brought here and a prosecution being mounted in, in Virginia. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the first question I think people probably have is, you know, is it right to put them in Article Three or federal criminal courts uh, versus a military commission or sending them to Guantanamo. I come down on the very, very strongly of the view that they them being prosecuted in an Article Three federal criminal court is exactly as it should be. It is a tried and true model of uh, both finding truth and demonstrating and carrying out justice. 
Uh, it has worked for years uh, to convict terrorists. It's got a demonstrated track record. It's actually, in my view, uh, absolutely what should happen here. The question of why it took so long, I think you've, you've laid out uh, quite well. And, and you're right, the families in this instance, the families of the four Americans who we should, we should be very clear about who these brave Americans were, James Foley, Peter Kasich, uh, Stephen Sotloff, and Kayla Mueller are the, the four Americans who uh, are, are talked about in this indictment and in John Demers' statement. Their, their families, as you uh, referenced, wanted to see them, uh, see these men prosecuted in American court. And if that meant taking the death penalty off the table, they, uh, I think, uh, to a person were okay with that because they wanted to see justice done. And they made that clear in an op-ed in uh, 2018, as you said. So, you know, I think Article Three courts is exactly uh, the way this should be going. And, you know, there was also some debate, uh, if you, you know, believe the reporting about this, that there was some debate about the strength of the case, right, within the Department of Justice, with some prosecutors urging uh, that the case go forward, uh, with some senior officials uh, allegedly being more hesitant about it. I suspect that um, hesitance may have been around the question of whether they got the evidence from the UK uh, before they took the death penalty off the table. So I think the most obvious disposition for this case is the one that they have now arrived at, which is prosecution in Article Three courts. And it's to the great good credit that they've brought this case in the Eastern District of Virginia. We should probably explain why is it in Virginia? Yeah, it's interesting. Whenever these big cases arise where people are being brought in from overseas and being charged with high profile crimes, um, you have different U.S. attorney's offices. I hope you've enjoyed this sample from the United Security Podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.